we all have within. Especially as strong women, um, powerful women, entrepreneurs, leaders, we do things oftentimes in a really masculine way because we haven't had so many models of how it looks like to be feminine and empowered. We get sold this story that in order to be strong, we have to do it the masculine way. And that if you are really feminine, you are weak, you are too girly, you're probably a dramatic, you're way too, you know, you're into gossip and all these stories, all of these wounds that a lot of women, if not all, I would say, carry surrounding the feminine. Welcome to the Inner BS Podcast. We are action takers, rule breakers, and change makers. We rebel against the status quo and pave our own way. We are unapologetic in our claim of wealth, freedom, and pleasure. We are spiritual beings first and human beings second. We are soul-led service providers designing our own future. I'm your host, Jessica Zeinstra. I believe our world needs a revolution. I believe service providers can be the ones who bring it. First, I am so inspired by the way that you show up online, Secret. Mm -hmm. I haven't known you for that long, and yet I feel like from an energetic soul level, I feel like I've known you forever. Like the way that you express yourself and the way that you, like the energy, you can, you can feel your strength and your power through the screen. So I'm so excited to be having this conversation with you wherever it may, may lead. And I'm so excited for my audience to get to know you a little bit better and for the people who don't know you to get to know you. And for those of you listening, if you don't know Secret, you need to get to know her and please, please, please give her a follow. Mm-hmm. So I like to start every single podcast. Mm-hmm. This is the Inner BS Podcast, the Inner Bullshit. So I like to start every podcast with the same question. And that is if you could pick one inner bullshit story, one inner narrative story that you had, that when you identified it and switched it and decided to, you know, kind of say no more, I'm choosing something different, you saw everything after kind of expand and open up and change. If you could pick just one, Mm -hmm. what would that be? Yes. So there's definitely many. I have had a lot of those inner bullshit stories inside, but one that I've actually been really leaning into recently, and it's been amazing to do so, is the martyrdom story. The idea that in order to be of service to others, it has to be at the detriment of myself. That um, being of service and being truly there for humanity had to be something hard that I had to show up for at the expense of my well-being, my self-care, my rest, all of the things. And once I identified these and was able to really claim that even though my ancestors went through so much in order to express their gifts, in order to be in love, in order whatever they had to choose, it had to, it came hard for them, even though that was what was modeled to me and what I carried, let's say maybe even genetically. When I recognized this, I was able to really shift and claim that that was no longer my story and was no longer what I was choosing. And from that space, what I have kept noticing is so much more spaciousness and so much more ease. So it's like my life feels like a beer exhale. And every day I have this question written in my to-do list every day that says, am I contracting or am I relaxing? And just noticing that there's so much of me that up until then had been trying so hard, you know, like trying so hard, even coming from the most beautiful place of service and wanting to be there for humanity. But it was always in this martyrdom-like energy without realizing it was really subtle, really sneaky. But once I was able to really catch this, 
so much opened up and I can even notice like my shoulders dropped and my my jaw doesn't feel as tense and my body feels more relaxed and I sleep better at night and I'm more present. There are less thoughts in my mind and I'm no longer looking for what could go wrong or how I could have to sacrifice and compromise so that I can be a really good leader. But rather, I have so much more fun. Things are so much more easy. There is so much more pleasure and an invitation for bliss in my everyday life because I know I can be of service and have things be super easy. Mm, I'm just like... Yes, yes, yes. It's interesting when you were talking about how it feels in your body. Like even when you just said you felt more at ease, I could feel my body becoming more at ease. And I actually noticed myself. I didn't used to notice this, but I noticed myself doing this more often. Clenching my jaw when I'm doing something work-wise where I'm like trying to get this this post made or this thing done or, you know, whatever. And I can start to feel like my jaw and I don't even realize it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, when was the last time I took a breath? Like, oh my goodness, I've been holding my breath for, I don't even know how long. And just (sighs) the remembrance of taking that breath and allowing your shoulders to drop and allowing yourself to, to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And coming back to that remembrance, I I even caught myself yesterday doing this. That's why I wanted to pick this one because it's the most exciting as I continue to unravel it. But even yesterday, I was writing a bunch of copy for a new project I'm putting together. And I noticed at one point that my shoulders were kind of like up here, like I was like writing and getting it done. And when I realized, I just started cracking up. And I was like, I told myself, hey, Sigrid, you can write copy and be relaxed. You can put this project together. You can pull it off and be relaxed. So in that moment, I started to laugh and I actually went out. I live in the in the rainforest in this beautiful, beautiful place surrounded by trees. And I went out to my veranda and I just took five minutes to dance and really relax my body. Then I went back to doing the copy. But just having that understanding of like, hey, you know that thing that you believed about things needing to be hard and you need to do it very well. It's almost this energy of like, I have to do it right. <laughs> the inner perfectionist, the inner achiever that's like overachiever yes. that's like, I have to get it right. And relaxing those parts and being like, hey, you can do everything and achieve everything and it does not need to be hard. You don't have to carry this energy of like, I'm just going to do it right. So it was really, even just that, that, I love what you mentioned about the breath and and really noticing those moments with the jaw. This is something that I do a lot with my somatic work as well, to keep relaxing the jaw purposely, to intentionally know that I get to bring each inhale to the bottom of my belly. So even just those little clues um, allow me to continuously anchor in this new belief, this new choice versus allowing my body to be caught up in the old shape of who I was and what I believed. Mm. I love that you had that awareness to go outside and move your body and like connect with the earth. That's been such a big blessing for me. I We used to live in uh, in a condo where we didn't have any outdoor space. And like the only outdoor space that we had was like this, this teeny tiny plot of grass that was the dog park. So, you know, you're constantly avoiding the dog poop mines while you're out there. And now that we have a house with a yard, I find myself even just taking a 30 second break and stepping outside and like getting bare feet in the ground and really allowing myself to drop in, especially like you said, when you're so fixated on doing something right, which, you know, we could have a whole conversation about what even is right. Like right doesn't even exist. Right is the way that you do it. However, you're going to do it. Right. So you, okay, there was, was it last week or a couple weeks ago, you had this series that I absolutely mm-hmm. fell in love with on Instagram and it yes. was on feminine embodiment. And this is something that's been really powerful in my journey over the past couple years of switching from that hustle, control, masculine, 
like gripping everything so tightly kind of mentality where I almost feel like for the bulk of my quote unquote business years, it was this, I, I feel it somatically in my body where it's like your breath is in the in the upper part of your chest, your yeah. shoulders are high, your jaw is clenched, and then learning how to shift into this feminine space of being and allowing things, especially in business, to be more fluid and to be more flowy and more, I don't know, like juicy and delicious. Yeah, it's a really big thing. And it's something that I... I'm so passionate about because I had to learn it the hard way through burning out, through being really disconnected from myself in many different ways. And this journey really transformed every single aspect of my life. How I feel within myself, my connection to everything and everyone, my friendships, my relationship, my sex life, and my leadership in my business. So... I am an absolute stand for women doing this work. I think it is really important that we do so. And I'm happy to go as deep or as um, surface, um, keeping it simple as you want. But it is definitely something that every woman gets to gift herself. I mean, you know, I'm here for all the deep conversations. So let's, can we go as deep as you want to go? Let's like lay it, it on Scorpio me. to Scorpio. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's- Scorpio to Scorpio. I feel like I've met my Scorpio match. Let's fucking yeah. go. <laughs> so there are many things. And since you referred to the series, maybe I break it down like I did in the series where I spoke about seven golden keys. And now this is an oversimplification of this work. Okay. It's it's little taste. We can go deep. And yet the work in itself, it's going to be so much deeper than just hearing a few keys. But there are a few things that I find extremely powerful to consider. And when I started to break down, okay, I have a mastermind called The Embodied Woman, and I take women through this initiation into their fullest expression of womanhood and their leadership for six months. So when I started to break it down and going, okay, what do these women get to go through? What is the initiation going to look like? These seven foundational pillars came. And I shared them because... I know that so many women, when they think about stepping into more of who they are, they're still coming from an energetic of the the masculine drive that we all have within, especially as strong women, um, powerful women, entrepreneurs, leaders. We do things oftentimes in a really masculine way because we haven't had so many models of how it looks like to be feminine and empowered. We get sold this story that in order to be strong, we have to do it the masculine way. And that if you are really feminine, you are weak, you are too girly, you're probably a dramatic, you're way too, you know, you're into gossip and all these stories, all of these wounds that a lot of women, if not all, I would say, carry surrounding the feminine energy. So when I looked into these different pillars, it made a lot of sense for me that we that we went through them in, in this order. So I'm going to share them with you as I share them on in my mastermind and also on Instagram. So the first one that came up for me was really self-responsibility and ownership. We start there. Now, mm. this is one thing that so many people listening to this will go, well, I know this. I'm into personal development or I've heard some books. I've, or maybe I even teach this. I know this. But how deeply do you know this? This is a question. Knowing that we are the center point to all pieces of our lives. Everything starts within. Our leadership, our relationship, everything starts within. This is one of the biggest teachings I have received years ago by one of my yoga teachers at the time. Um, I remember I was sharing something with him and I said, this and this and this and that. I don't know even know what I was talking about, but I was sharing a story and there were many pieces to the story and many people in the story. And I was saying, and this and this and that, and, and you know, other people this and the other person said that, and, and I don't know what to do. And he looked at me and he said, I'll give you the best teaching I've ever received. He looked at me in the eyes and he said, what others? And walked away. And I was left there like, hmm really? Is this it? Mm. But as I kept on really being with it, 
it really landed more and more. I was like, okay, so there is no others. What does this mean? How does this apply to my life, to everything that I go through? And I continued to deepen my understanding of this, my appreciation of this teaching throughout the years. And now what I have come to realize is that there is no other place to start that there. Because for as long as we believe that the occurrences in our lives, that our fate is up to something or someone else, we're missing the whole point and we are continuously putting ourselves in a space of disempowerment. Because if my fate is up to you or up to the government or up to my ex-partner or my partner or my friend or my clients or the stock market, the stock market or whatever it is, then I don't have power and control over my life. And while I do not believe that ultimately we have control over our lives, <laughs> we do have the power to be empowered and to respond to life in an empowered way. So in order to really start our initiation into our fullest expression of womanhood and leadership, we must reclaim our power, take our power back from all of the places where we have given it away through victim consciousness. So we start with that one. Really, really, really self-responsibility and ownership. Yeah, this was when I first learned this in my journey. It was one, both like the most painful lesson, I think, for me to learn, and also at the same time, the most empowering lesson because, you know, it dropped in for me was like, well, if I am the one that is creating all of these things in my life that I don't like, you know, obviously things happen to us, right? And also I'm choosing to surround myself with these people. I'm choosing to be in this job that I don't like. I'm choosing to put myself in these really harmful, dangerous, mm -hmm. disempowering situations. If, if I'm responsible for that, then I'm also responsible for creating the life that I want. Exactly. So it's like this, this like both... <laughs> rude awakening mm -hmm. and also like beautiful reclamation of of your power yeah yeah so true and so important because there is there is this part of the personal development work or world where we just keep on developing the person and we keep on learning the tools and learning the right thing to say and the right thing to write about and the right thing to whatever but until we can really have a deep look at ourselves and ultimately accept the truth of what is, we're not going to get anywhere. We can have more tools. We can know more different processes and more things and have done more seminars and more courses and more. But if we're not looking at ourselves with honesty and accepting what's there, we're not really getting anywhere. I always say if the work isn't helping you be more free, the work isn't working. So you can do as much of the work as you want, mm. but if you don't feel more free, it isn't working. What's the point of the work if you don't feel more free every day? <laughs> I mean, snaps to that. Yeah. yeah. It's like the tool is the tool is the tool, right? Like the tool, it depends on the person using the tool. Like I was, when I talk about money and power, it's like money can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing, right? It's it's how It's how somebody... An entity is deciding to use the tool. Power can be a really good thing. Power can be a really destructive thing. It depends on how you're using the tool, just like in personal development. We have all of these tools, and yet are you using them and embodying them and actually facing your, your shit? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. on that note of facing your shit, let's go <laughs> to number two. It's a really great way to flow into it because number two is all about shadow work and shadow integration <laughs> so it's so yeah it's all about facing our shit and what I always say is if you don't you do your shadow your shadow does you so while I am not a stand for you know digging deep every day for decades because there's always going to be more stuff that comes up there's always the the rabbit hole is endless if you just want to look at your shadow all day long you will always find some more now it is important to have certain moments where you intentionally go in and really look at what are the shadow pieces that are running the show 
By shadow pieces, I mean all of those aspects of yourself that you may not feel super proud of, that you may haven't accepted and loved, and that you may try to hide. All of those aspects that you have deemed as unlovable, unacceptable, ugly, messy, unlikable, whatever it is. If you don't do your shadow, I'll say it again, your shadow does you. So especially when wanting to be in relationship, when wanting to be in motherhood, when wanting to be in entrepreneurship, whatever it is that you're wanting to to be in in a powerful way, you will get to look at those aspects of yourself that might be running the show. Especially for the type of people I work with, I support mostly coaches, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And those people are showing up for others. They are serving. They are putting themselves out there. And if they don't do the shadow work, there is so much of the wounded little girl and little boy inside of of us that may run the show for us also in leadership, also in our coaching practice, also in our social media. So it's really a matter of looking into what are the parts of yourself that you still haven't loved and accepted that might be looking for validation, for safety, for security, for approval outside of yourself. Because unless you look at those parts and make peace with them and actually give them what they need so that they can have what they're crying for from yourself, you're going to try to find that in subconscious ways from your relationship, through entrepreneurship, through um, leadership, and that's going to get in your way of being truly empowered and truly potent as a leader, as a partner, as a friend. So I always say when people say, yeah, but shadow work sounds a little bit scary, a little bit messy, it's already there. You're not, you're not going to find anything that wasn't there before. It's not like you're, you're calling in these shadow things to you. They're already there and they're already running the show. So you may as well just have a look at them. Yeah. I mean, I think as a Scorpio, I I love playing in, and not just as a Scorpio, right? Same. Like that's even putting it on an external thing. I love playing in the shadows. I always have. And what I see most often with my clients who are service providers, the way that it shows up for them is they start attracting misaligned clients or they start bending over backwards and breaking boundaries. And you start trying to fill that internal void with those external things of, oh, I just need better branding. Oh, I just need more followers. Or, oh, I just need, I just need, I just need, I just need, instead of pausing and taking a look at those messy bits that are wanting, I mean, they're wanting attention. They're, they're, they're seeking attention, right? Like these messy bits are, are asking you to take a look at them. And the way that they're at, the way that they're trying to get your attention generally are in not so healthy ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So absolutely. it's actually far more beneficial to just look at the messy bits. Yeah, totally. And the reason why I personally recommend that people do this with support, this is something that we can definitely do by ourselves. In saying that, what I've seen over and over and over, I've been in this work for near to a decade, and I've seen a lot in myself and others when it comes to doing this type of work. And what I notice is that most people, we will go into judgment and shame when we recognize those aspects, right? So someone will go into the shadow work and they will see something that they don't like. Oh my God, I have been doing this thing or I have been behaving in this way or I have been manipulating or controlling or whatever it is. And then the shame and the embarrassment around it will kick in. So it's really powerful to do this with the support of someone that can bring you back into acceptance over and over and over, that can remind you that nothing, none of it is wrong. It just makes sense. I always say you didn't pick your traumas, you didn't pick your um, your experiences. So to judge yourself for the coping mechanisms and the survival strategies that you developed doesn't make any sense because you didn't pick them. So how are you going to shame yourself for it? It doesn't matter how it looked like. It doesn't matter what you did. You did not pick your traumas. So whatever it is that you are going through makes absolute sense. This is what I love about the human mind. Like when you actually start picking things apart and looking at someone's behavior and understanding what they went through and what 
misunderstandings they they adopted because of that. It all makes sense. I haven't met one human being that does not make sense. Based on their experiences and what they went through, everything makes sense. Now, what is really important, and that's why I always encourage to have support when we do this work, is to understand that we cannot heal a wound with the same energy that created it. So a lot of the times, and I see this often in my clients, the tendency is to go, oh my God, I've been really needy or I've been whatever, maybe seeking approval and validation from my clients or from people on Instagram or whatever it is. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So something's wrong with me. So I go into beating myself up or judging myself Mm -hmm. for that behavior without understanding that the reason why that behavior is there is because originally at some point that little girl or little boy thought and misunderstood that they weren't good enough. They didn't feel loved. They didn't feel accepted. So they found all of these different ways to get approval, to get validation, to get attention. Now, if we want to heal that wound, we have to use a different strategy than the one that was used when the wound was created. So if you're wanting to seek validation and approval from the external world because a part of you didn't feel loved and accepted, but then you judge yourself and don't accept yourself because you behave like this, it's a never-ending loop where you're just creating more of that thing. So doing this work with support is a lot easier, let's just say. (laughs) Well, yeah. And also, I mean, for me, one of the most powerful experiences that I've had is having someone witness me in the shame, you know, at bringing up an experience or something that has previously carried so much shame and to speak it into existence and have another human being, you know, something that I've never told anybody before. And then having this other human see you and sit with you and witness you in it, all of a sudden it it takes the power that 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 shameful thing, at least it has for me, and I've, I've seen it happen with a lot of my clients and friends, like it takes that that power away from it. And all of a sudden it just kind of dissipates and it's like, oh, like yeah. you said, it's of, of course. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is really powerful. I agree. Having that reflection come from someone that can witness us in that shame and go, and I still love and accept you. There's nothing wrong with you because shame, shame tends to live in the shadows. So when we illuminate that, when we bring it up to the light, then there's not more space for it to hide. Shame loves to hide. So when we expose it and it's not always the appropriate time and moment to expose our shame, we do get to pick scenarios and people with which we can be safely held with that because some people could just you know, poke the wound even further. But it is really powerful to have those moments and those scenarios where we can be witness and held in that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to keep going into number three? Keep going. Yeah. What's number three? <laughs> so Tell me number more. three. I just it's it's so funny because I feel like every every point whatever you share ties up perfectly with what I'm wanting to share next. So this is just perfect flow. So tying it back to the shame and all experiences and feelings, we get to, and this is number three, we get to really rewrite our story around emotions and we get to somatically release and experience everything that is. What I mean by that Mm. is... Oftentimes, and this is true for both men and women, but since we're keeping it feminine embodiment, I'm going to speak to the women. Oftentimes, we grow up with this super huge, longer than the Bible manual of what it is like to be a woman. All of the rules that you need to know about what you're allowed and not allowed to do and be as a woman. So there's this like really big pressure that we have of like, you know, you have to be strong, but don't be too strong. And you have to speak up for yourself because you don't want to be a walkover, but don't be too outspoken. And you want to be, you know, 
attractive, but don't be too sexy or like don't call attention too much in and sit like a lady and speak like a lady. And there's all of these stories around how we need to be and what we're allowed and not allowed to do, be, have, right? So when it comes to emotions, there's all this like almost like the green list and the red list is like, well, you can feel happy and you can be a good girl and you can be a really good student and you can whatever fill in the blank right and then we have the the red list like do not dare to go there and usually those things are anger are ecstatic bliss or ecstatic pleasure are uh, all of these different things so we have this list and it's changes a little bit depending on who raised you and what country you were born and raised in and all of these different things, right? Like cultural and um, and family influence will make this list be a little bit different for each person. But generally speaking, we have this, this um, tendency to want to be a good girl and then this other tendency to want to avoid certain things. And that looks different for every person. Some people will go full into perfectionism and overachievement and they can they have to be really strong and always have it all together. Then for other women will be like they just can't make decisions by, them, by themselves and they can't have boundaries and they can't express what they need and they can't be horny and they can't like things like that. And then for other women, it'll be like they can't show up emotion and they cannot be vulnerable and they cannot all of these things. So regardless of what your list is, it's really important to recognize and identify what are the emotions. And hear me, primary emotions are emotions that all humans and mammals experience. So you cannot get away from this. Like, they just happen. They just happen. So especially when we're speaking about primary emotions, trying to suppress them and make them wrong is extremely unhealthy. And these um, energies, these emotions that are not expressed and moved through get stuck in the body. Our body remembers what our Mm. mind doesn't. So if we're not feeling and moving the energy, allowing trauma to flow out, allowing emotion to flow out or to be transmuted, it gets stuck in the body. And it can represent as illness. It can represent as energetic blockages. It can represent as so many different things. So... The third pillar is all around really rewriting our stories surrounding certain emotions so that we can allow ourselves to welcome whatever is present for us and find healthy ways to actually express and transmute those things. So you don't need to be like the typical, you know, in Hollywood, for example, we'll see anger in women portrayed as this really dramatic Latina that's throwing plates and breaking them on the floor and all of that, right? And then we see strength and entrepreneurship represented yes. as this really like tight ass woman that will never have a partner and that can't keep her life together and that it's extremely yes. mean. We have all of these different representations. Do you choose that or are you ready to rewrite your story? So within this pillar, it's all around reclaiming your truth by intentionally rewriting your story in regards to what you're allowed and not allowed to feel, what you're safe and not safe to express or be seen in, and really allowing your body to welcome and move, express, release all that it needs. Oh, I'm like, yes, firing on all cylinders, Yes. So when you say, I'm curious, because I, I have my own, I grew up as a dancer. So dance for me is like a, and just putting on music to me, music is like almost like a religion where I feel like I can just allow myself to freely move and express. And it always, it wasn't always the case for me where I mm-hmm. felt, um, I think partly growing up as a dancer and also not really knowing how to express myself and there's a right way to move your body, even in the privacy of my own home when it's just me listening to music, there's still a quote unquote right way to move your body. So one of the biggest breakthroughs for me was actually just allowing my body to move in a way that the emotions in my body wanted it to move. Do you find like, what are some ways that have been really helpful for you in kind of somatically releasing 
emotions? Yeah, there's many different things. And some of them I recommend always having a practitioner um, that supports you because there could be trauma um, being released and different things that the person practicing the tools might not have the understanding of how to hold themselves in. Now, there are different things that are really easy that we can do every day to just allow the body to to move some of these things. Dancing is definitely one of them. I think it's really important to do it, as you were saying, without a right way to do it. So just for the sake of it, um, shaking is a really good one. So actually jumping and shaking your limbs, your arms, legs, and just moving your body, allowing energy to move through is a really good one. Um, breathing, so centering, really bringing your breath to the bottom of your belly as you inhale and then exhaling through your mouth while unlocking and releasing your jaw. So making sure that your jaw is open and it's not clenching, really important. Um, And there are so many different things that can support with that that are not necessarily somatic tools to release trauma. That is something that I encourage people to go and do with a practitioner. I support my clients with this. And there's many different things that can come up. Um, But on a daily basis, to support your body to just move that energy, shaking, dancing, breathing, relaxing your jaw, stretching even. There's even like practices with exercise and different things that you might be doing already that can support you with that. But having intentional breaks, I feel it's really, really helpful where you actually move your body and you have that intentionality of releasing and moving whatever energy you can through shaking, dancing, breathing, um, really even like body scanning, looking at from toes to the top of your head, is there any tension in there? And can you bring the breath there? And just taking two minutes. And very easily, very quickly scanning your body and seeing, like I was sharing at the start of this podcast, are your shoulders up here where they're not meant to be? Or is, um, I don't know, sometimes I find myself like my legs are contracted for whatever reason or um, my jaw, like you were, you and I were speaking before. So just checking in, how can you bring more um, relaxation into your body? That's also really helpful. And I love that you said being intentional about it, you know, like, especially if this is something that's new to you, schedule time in your day, you know, like schedule 15 minute breaks throughout your day of 15 minutes or 30 minutes or five minutes, even if that's all you have and plug them in your day and make it a non-negotiable and be really intentional, you know, and, and like Sigrid said, you know, shaking, just shaking your body or doing that quick two minute scan of going from the, your toes all the way to your head back down to your toes. Just because especially if this is something that you've never done before, you need to, in order to create new habits, you need to be really intentional about it. Otherwise, it will just become an idea and never actually something that you put into practice. So... Yeah, I'm actually going to do this. I think I'm going to schedule shake breaks in my day because that sounds really fun. I already have hula hoop and trampoline breaks. <laughs> I love that. I think I, need, I think I need to bring in some shaking breaks in my day. Yeah, yeah I absolutely love that. And it is really helpful. I've done um, with some of my clients, what I do, I support them to create a regulation um, menu. So they have all of these different practices that they can draw from every day and they schedule intentional breaks for nervous system regulation. So they have all of these different tools and then they pick and choose every day what they want to do, but they have different practices every single day so that they can really um, have that intentional space. Here for it. Here for it. So what's number four? Yes. So number four is all around activating your voice. So really, um, we work on boundaries, working on your unapologetic truth, really being able to express that, to express not just your boundaries, but your requests, your needs, your desires. Um, You'd be surprised how many really empowered, powerful, strong women struggle with asking their partners for what they want in bed, for example, or struggle with, and this has been true for me, I struggled a lot with drawing boundaries with 
anyone that felt like family. So I was always super good with boundaries with friends and, and people I knew and people at work and my clients and all of that. But if someone got close enough to me that felt like family, then it was really it was really challenging for me to draw clear, healthy boundaries with those people because growing up, I didn't have a sense of healthy boundaries with my parents. So mm. I didn't have the space where I could really ask for what I needed and I could really put my needs first. I always had to, you know, and I have a beautiful relationship with my family, but growing up, it was a lot about me caring for everybody's needs and everybody's different things that they were going through versus having this understanding that what I needed mattered and that what I needed could come first. So even though I developed these really strong boundaries with people around me, um, healthy, beautiful, loving boundaries, self-honoring boundaries, when it came to my very close friends and my family, I really struggled with that. So this is something that has shifted since I, I created the space to intentionally lean into it. But it's something that I know a lot of women, if not the vast majority of us, struggle with in one way or the other. So boundaries, learning how to draw them from a space of self-honor and self-love, not from a space of fear or hurt. Really different. Mm -hmm. Boundaries that come from a space of self-honoring are clean, are healthy, are flexible and yet firm. Boundaries that come from fear and hurt are a protection, are an emotional wall. So I always say learn how to draw boundaries that hold, hold you with love instead of withholding love. Mm. Really important. Hold you with love instead of withholding love. Yeah. One, just sharing your truth, I think, from a loving space is challenging enough. On top of, you know, setting boundaries like what we were talking about before on, you know, there's the there's the good way of being a, a woman, you know, be nice, like don't be too strong, but be strong enough. So it's like you you come to this space of trying to understand where your line is and what is a boundary for you. But then, you know, going from your body up into your head of, but I don't want to be too strong. I don't want to come off as a bitch. I don't want, you know, these people, these clients, these coworkers, these friends, these whoever to think I'm some type of way, to think I'm like a bitchy woman. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you end up either setting boundaries from a more like contracted space, like you said, or yeah, the learning. I'm still, this is a, this is a struggle for me and something that I'm actively working on is setting boundaries from a really empowered, loving space. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big one. And I feel like for so long as well. Um, and I always just like to look at the influence of our ancestry in how we are today, right? Like oftentimes we are easy to judge ourselves and to judge our behavior and our conditioning, but it is important to understand that it's been like that for generations. So it has been modeled to us in that way. And this is why we get to do this work, because we're not going to learn by not doing anything about it. We're not going to wake up one day and go, yep, now I know how to speak my truth and apologetically and ask for what I need <laughs> and express my desires. And I feel so comfortable with boundaries. Like it's not going to happen just like that. So this is why we get to the intentional work. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, exactly. And there's also this space to have so much compassion and patience with ourselves because as ourselves because we learned this way from our mothers, our grandmothers, and it's just how it is. It's, it's what it is. No need to shame ourselves or to worry about it, but there is a space to do something about it if you choose, and that is way more empowered than continuously have this push and pull where we want to draw a boundary, but we feel really disempowered. Just imagine how much time and energy we waste on that. Like I always think about how I used to second guess every single one of my needs, my requests, my boundaries years ago. And I think of all the life force that I wasted just in thinking, what is this person going to think? And how can I say it? And repeating the, 
scenarios conversations in my mind like I would have all these imaginary conversations in my mind of how I would tell the person what I needed to tell them and then what all of these things and now <laughs> that that doesn't happen anymore I have so much more time like so much more energy the number of conversations I've had with people in the shower or like <laughs> yeah. while I'm like doing my makeup or doing my hair mm -hmm. I'm like I, I'll say this and then they're going to say this and then I'll say, you know, and it's like, <laughs> just yes. let it go. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a big one. It's definitely a big one. And it's really important for several reasons. Actually, I want to share this as well, because oftentimes we may think that this has to do with just drawing boundaries with our clients or telling our friends where we really don't want to go to their dinner party because we just want to read a book at home or telling our partner what we actually really like in bed, whatever it is. But it goes way beyond this. Think about motherhood, for example, if you want to be a mother or if you are a mother, how are you going to go about raising a child for the rest of your life? Because that job never really ends without expressing your needs, expressing your truth, being a stand for what you think and what you know, how is that going to work? Like you're signing yourself up for a pretty disempowering situation for the rest of your life if you don't know how to be taking care of another person while honoring yourself and really expressing what you need and finding a way where you can firmly and lovingly express your boundaries. When we think about educating a child, when we think about having a powerful partnership, when we think about being in leadership and really creating the impact that we feel deep within we're here to create, we get to learn this. Like it's really important that we do, that we learn how to honor our truth because there is a reason why that truth is there. We are all really at all times channels for whatever piece of thing wants to come through us. And if we don't know how to honor that, if we don't know how to differentiate between the part of us that's scared of intimacy or scared of depth or scared of being hurt and then builds emotional walls all around or the part of us that's scared of rejection or abandonment and therefore people pleases everywhere. If we don't know how to differentiate between that and our truth and how to be empowered in our experience of life, we're just kind of giving so much of life away. I was just going here. This is all my potential, everything I could ever experience, all of the amazingness I could have access to in my lifetime, in this lifetime. But here, you have it. I, I'll just, I'll try the next life. If you believe in that. If not, then I won't try. So there is this, this really important, there's a, there's a big importance that I want to highlight on, around really doing this work. Because while you may have told yourself that this is not important, or what you may have told yourself that this is not such a big deal, I feel like something within us dies a little bit. There's a little part of something of us that dies mm -hmm. every time we're not a stand for what we know within ourselves is our truth. Yes. As you were speaking, I literally had that same thought that you just said pop into my head. I was like, and if we don't do this, part of us dies. Yeah. And that was, I think a lot of people can relate to that of that was my experience for the bulk of my life until I started to do this work and decide to go into the shadows, appreciate and love the mucky bits and, you know, really claim my truth and, and not just, I mean, yes, eventually claim my truth, but understand what was my truth, my truth, you know, peeling back the layers of what ancestors and, you know, current generations of the beliefs and the thought process and the patterns and, all the things that we're told to be and told to do. And it's like, but what, what am I wanting to be and what am I wanting to do, right? And then mm -hmm. getting the courage to, after you peel back the layers and after you figure out, you know, go deep into your own shadows. And it's like you meet your shadow in the mirror and you look at yourself and you're like, I love you. 
Yeah. Now let's express this to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a beautiful reclamation. It's a process of this process of feminine embodiment. I I get even like emotional about it sometimes because it's so deep and so I see it as truly our birthright. This is a little bit of a set way and I can come back to step five or six and seven in a second, but feeling called to share this, we as women have this potential to access such deep wisdom and such deep power. The feminine force is so healing, is so inspiring, is so um, powerful in her creations. And unless we do this work to really, like you were saying, get to see all of ourselves and accept that, love that, be a stand for that, unless we do this process of initiating ourselves into our truth, to reclaim our birthright, to be fully connected and as a full stand for who we are and what we're capable of. We're just missing the magic that it is to be a woman. We have been brought up in this society that has taught us to seek for everything outside of ourselves, to doubt ourselves, to hate or judge or criticize or all of the above ourselves and to really be live in a really disconnected way um everything for instance let's just look at the amount of corporations and businesses that profit from making us believe that who we are and us we are isn't enough you just have to turn on the tv if you have one i personally don't but if you have the tv You just have to turn on the TV to see all of the ads that tell you that your face should look different and your body should look different and your hair should look different. Everything should be different and it never ends. You can never get to a space where it's enough. There's always going to be the next trend of how your body should look and your face should look and your um, hair should look and your, your clothes should be like and the next thing you should acquire and the next thing you should achieve and it never ends so doing this process of reclamation to really come back home to ourselves is so important because otherwise we will live the rest of our lives chasing the next thing so that we can finally feel like we are enough and that enough will never arrive the target will always move so it is so extremely important that we gift ourselves the gift to connect with our truth, to get to understand, know, really meet ourselves and love ourselves. Because otherwise, what is life about? Mm -hmm. I don't see the point in not doing this, personally. I'm getting emotional just listening to you. I wholeheartedly agree. Mm. You know, I mean, even if you don't have a TV, open social media. You know, like it's, it's everywhere. It's you go to the grocery store. It's on the magazines and the checkout line. It's, it's unavoidable in the day that we live, unless you go completely off grid. You know, I feel like that's the only way that you can truly avoid seeing this stuff at a subconscious level, level of, of telling us the, the very specific box that we as women are supposed to fit in. And if you don't fit in this very specific box, then you are somehow not a good enough woman. Yeah. When really it's about reclaiming the feminine and reclaiming what it actually means to be an intuitive, deeply connected, grounded, fiery, that's how I mm-hmm. feel at least, like yeah. feminine being Mm -hmm. definitely the more i learn about the feminine especially nowadays this is absolutely not a canceling comment whatsoever um but especially nowadays on instagram for example there is this very very one way um or very specific let's say just specific um portrait of feminine embodiment so I've actually made a couple of funny reels that I'm going to be sharing soon around that. But you research feminine embodiment on Instagram and there's all these like 
women in lingerie and slow dancing and all of that. And that is beautiful. That's why I'm saying this is what by no means I cancel comment. I'm power to these sisters and absolutely in, in support of that work. Now, there is so much more to the feminine. Like it's actually not, it has nothing to do with how we show up externally before it does with how we show up internally. So it's really how we feel, how we know ourselves, how we carry ourselves when nobody's watching. Then if you want to dance in your lingerie and share mm-hmm. about your, you know, dildos and how you're self-pleasuring and all of that, amazing. Like absolutely amazing. But there is so much more to feminine embodiment than just learning how to be connected to one version of sensuality and one version of um yeah this goddess movement let's say so there is i love that you brought all these different facets because there is fire and sometimes the more feminine the most feminine thing that you can do is to passionately compassionately express your anger or your disapproval of something that is unjust um, for example, in Buddhism, they speak about, I forget if it's 16 or 17 different types of compassion. And it doesn't just look like, oh, well, I love you. So I'm sending you love and peace and whatever you do, I just accept you. <laughs> like they speak about this. Um, my Buddhist psychologist <laughs> teacher, she shares about this one particular example of a mother that is about to cross the street and there's a red light, there's so many cars crossing and her child goes to cross the street. She grabs him by the arm and she tells him very firmly, this is not okay. You do not cross the street when there's cars. You hear me? That is compassion. She may not say to him, hi, Mm. honey, you know, if you try to cross the street right now, a car may kill you (laughs) and I would be so sad if it did. So let's not cross the street, okay? Like she may actually raise her voice and say, don't ever again do this. And that is compassion as well. So there are so many different facets of what the true feminine force within is. And as always, I see the Western world just tries to Put everything in a box so that it's marketing worthy and sellable and scalable. But the feminine cannot be tamed. The feminine force cannot be put in a box. It is not something you can just brand and package and sell through a couple of pictures on Instagram. There is so much to the true feminine essence that we all have access to. So I feel like really being in this inquire of how the feminine wants to move through you versus, and I get a lot of my clients coming to me saying, uh, I don't think I'm a sensual person because, and they give me an example of somebody dancing in lingerie on Instagram and they're like, I don't really feel like I want to do that. Like, well, you don't have to do that. That is awesome for whoever feels aligned to do that, but that is not everything that exists when it comes to feminine embodiment. So I think this is important for us to really understand. It looks many different ways. I had the same, when I first started approaching, approaching kind of shifting from a very heavy masculine into a feminine, it was very similar where I saw, you know, these beautiful women on social media that were dancing very sensually. And that just seemed so far from where I was, my comfort zone. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could never, I, that's, that's, I, that, that was scary to me and it seemed very unapproachable. And yet it was also very, um, intriguing. Mm -hmm. So like it was at the same time, I, I wanted the freedom of expression that they had. So it, And yet I needed to find, like, I was here over, like a mile over here, and they were like two miles over in this direction. I needed to find something in the middle that Mm -hmm. felt more approachable for me. And for me, the sacred rage, the fiery part of, you know, the feminine is, is where it landed first for me, was like embodying and allowing those pieces to compassionately come forward. And I, I still, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of, of me and my sort of embodiment is em, em embracing that sacred rage and kind of transmuting it into a um, supportive 
and not a destructive, where like my Mm. rage and anger used to be a very literal burn the house to the ground kind of rage, whereas now it's like rather than actually burning my life to the ground, I can can transmute it into a, a cause or into creating a program or into you know, supporting clients or just into a more supportive kind of vessel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that because, yeah, for some women, some aspects will come more easily than others. And I want to add on that note, um, just a quick tip for anybody wanting to dive into their sensuality and tuning into that more um this is something that i suggested to a client of mine just recently and it really supported her because sensuality in order to really be connected to our sensuality and i'm not talking about performative sensuality but actually your own connection with it um you get to be firstly in connection with your body secondly in reverence of your body it is really important in order to really be in, to be to carry yourself as a sensual being there's this energy of reverence and an energy of acceptance that gets to take place so how you can start doing that without having to dance in your lingerie in front of the mirror or on a live on instagram or in front of your partner or whatever it is that may feel more stretchy something that you can start <laughs> doing is creating little breaks to actually connect with a sense of reverence, honoring, and gratitude for your human vessel, for yourself. Because that energy is the energy of like, I'm feeling myself, you know, I'm really loving myself. I love who I am. I love how I feel. I love being in my body, how juicy and delicious it feels. And then from that space, it may come into look at me enjoying myself. But if you want to come into true sensuality versus performative sensuality, it has to come from that space of firstly, I'm enjoying myself. So one thing that I have suggested, um, in particular to this one client just recently, um, is starting to connect with your body in less scary ways. So instead of going into a self-pleasure practice or a dancing in front of your partner practice or whatever <laughs> thing that's more like, whoa, too fast, too soon, you can start with having little breaks where, for example, um, you have a little bit of oil in your desk and every couple of hours, you just take a break for two minutes and just massage your, your own feet or massage your own hands, hands, feet, easy. It's not something that's like too out there, but it starts this practice of actually giving yourself that tender care, that love, that reverence, that gratitude. So even if you just take three minutes a day to massage whatever part of your body you choose, super easy, it can be your elbow. It doesn't need to be like anything else. It can be super (laughs) simple, but start massaging and getting in touch with your body And spend those three minutes just thanking yourself, acknowledging yourself, or sending love to yourself. You can start with that, and that will create um, a practice of being in touch with your body and a practice of being connected and in reverence and in honoring of your body that eventually will make it easier to progress in your journey of reclaiming your sensuality. Mm, Yes. Schedule time or, you know, I, I always say for if it's if it's a new practice, I like to schedule time in my day for it because otherwise it can just be forgotten about. So yeah. like we had talked about earlier about scheduling breaks in your day to, you know, shake it out or, you know, maybe it's you do it, you shake it out or you dance it out and massage a part of your body at some point throughout the day. I think so often and, you know, this was my same reaction to embodying more of my femininity where we want to go from zero to a hundred, you know, zero to 60 in, in a moment. And really the change happens in the little, little 1% bits. It doesn't, it can happen in a 100% jolt, but more often than not, it's just 1% every single day. Yeah. Of course, and that will create a more sustainable practice and a space for integration 
versus something that you do once. Versus, okay, I danced in my lingerie. I did it. Okay, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> I did I'm it. Out. I'm now out. I'm embodied. Now I'm sensual. <laughs> that doesn't work. Like yes. That. And now I'm a sensual woman. I'm embodying my feminine. Yeah. So what would you, because I feel like I could just keep going for like another hour and I would love to. And also, you know, being respectful of your time. What would be, so there were, we got to what, number four? Yes. So for people listening, you can, I will actually link them in the show notes uh, where you can go find the remainder of the videos so you can get steps five, six, and seven. If you had one parting, juicy piece of, I don't know, juiciness that you could give to people listening, what would that be? Hmm. This is one that has been challenging for me in the past, hence my passion around it, is really, really lean into asking for support. The feminine is not meant to do it all um, in a hard, pushing, struggling, challenging way. And while at times it may happen like that, and we're more than capable of doing it, um, there is a space for really opening to receive support. And if we can really, really deepen our our knowing or our trust in the fact that we are worthy of being supported and worthy of being held and worthy of being um, helped, then we can create a lot more. There is so much more that we can bring forth in the world and to the world. And the world more than ever is calling for empowered, embodied feminine leaders. So I absolutely, absolutely recommend that every single woman leans into that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Everybody listening, make sure you follow her. Sacred is amazing. And I love you. Thank you so much for having me, love. I love you too. Thank you for listening to the Inner BS Podcast. Send me a DM to let me know how much you loved this episode. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcast. Take a screenshot and then email to hello at innerbeautyschool.co to receive a free Inner BS sticker pack and be entered to win a free membership to the Inner Beauty School campus for a full year. Remember, you are cosmic stardust. You get to flip the tables on the status quo and pave your own way.